Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Welcome to the Creative Visionaries Podcast. My name is Tori Barker, a digital marketing specialist, business owner, mom, and you guessed it, a creative visionary. This podcast is about inspiring business owners, building connections, sharing success stories, and motivating others. Join me on this journey as we tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary. Hey there, podcasters. Are you looking to take your show to the next level? Let me introduce you to Podtask, the innovative platform that simplifies the podcasting process and equips you with the tools you need to succeed. With Podtask, you can say goodbye to the headache of managing multiple tasks and deadlines. This app provides a comprehensive systemization and task management platform that helps you streamline the podcasting process. And it doesn't just stop there. Podtask also offers AI-based marketing tools to give your podcast a competitive edge. As a fellow podcaster, I know from experience how important it is to have a reliable and efficient tool like Podtask to keep you on track. It helped me save so much time in post-production, which allows me to focus on what really matters, creating great content for my listeners. So if you want to take your podcast to the next level, be sure to check out Podtask. As a special offer to my listeners, you can sign up today and get started with their free forever plan by visiting creativevisionariespodcast.com forward slash podtask. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Creative Visionaries podcast. Today, I have a fantastic guest, Eric Wright. Eric is the chief content officer for GTM Delta and a podcast host of the Disco Posse podcast. Eric, welcome on the call. Welcome to uh, you for being on the other side of the microphone. It's so fun as a podcaster. It's usually the other way. So this is super cool to be a guest. And Tori, thank you very much for letting me join. I'm excited by the chance to chat. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do. Yeah. The old, uh, what exactly do you do here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a... Uh, I'm a nerd at heart and a storyteller by nature, and I've managed to put those two things together to become a introvert uh, behind the scenes, but a professional extrovert. I really came from a background of working in technology, had a really diverse background before that. I worked in retail. I was a cobbler. I was a landscaper. I've done some really odd things which somehow led me naturally to systems development and systems architecture. I know it's a natural path, uh, <laughs> but then did about 20 years uh, over a couple of companies in financial services as a systems architect, then became a blogger in the middle of that, started writing technology blogs and sharing my learnings, which turned into me becoming a technology evangelist for a company, which was, uh, it was then called VM Turbo, became Turbonomic. Uh, and then my company was acquired by IBM uh, about a year and a half ago. And then I was with IBM for about a year. And then I went and I had a longtime passion and a good friend who we've thought, hey, this problem of like solving technical, you know, technically aimed storytelling, it's a gap that hasn't been able to be filled. And we thought, let's see if it 
is something that we can actually launch as a as a company. And it turns out it's definitely a gap that needs to be filled and, and we're doing our best to fill it and it's it's going quite well. So that's what GTM Delta came from. And then the podcast was actually just, I meet amazing folks like yourself all the time at events and you know I'm always excited by the conversations. And yeah. it just kind of became a thing where people would say like, oh, I, I wish I could have been there for the, for the discussion. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I should record it. <laughs> so now, you know, 326 or so episodes later, that's uh, become the Disco Posse podcast. The, the, there's a long story behind the uh, behind the Disco Posse thing, which is fun, but uh, <laughs> I won't I won't open with that. Uh, so there you go. That's that's all about me. And so, yeah, here I am. I'm a co-founder of a, of a neat company called GTM Delta. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for the intro. I'm uh, definitely intrigued by GTM Delta and uh the technical aspect so you do marketing content for technical companies yeah the focus is so i've been a technical marketer and a technical product marketer which is meaning that real sort of you know i'm gonna be this quite honest right it's for it's aimed at nerds right how do i if i'm a nerd and i need to find out about something the moment i open a blog or an article up and it says according to industry analyst I, I can't hit the X fast enough. Like I yeah. I need to find out like, how does this thing work? How do you solve my problem? So what we started to realize is that by writing very, you know, tuned content, this is the fun dichotomy, right? It has to be aimed at a technical reader yeah. talking about a technical product. So we're really, it's a, it's a niche market already. And sure. then on top of that, you got to work with Google juice, right? I got to make sure that it's SEO friendly. I've got to make sure it's readable. I've got to infuse storytelling to make it exciting to to consume, but yes, be deeply technical. So it's it's a really interesting merger of many practices. Yeah. And so it's been fun because I've always been a a bit of a generalist and and I've I've loved that the idea of can I make technical content and storytelling come together? Mm. So when people say, you know, what do you do? I give emotion to technical content. That's <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And what, what do you see is, is the biggest type of um, medium that these, this audience uh, resonates with? Yeah, is it articles the... or videos or tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, this is an interesting thing because as a podcaster, I, and I, I do video training as well for a company called Pluralsight. I've done a couple of courses and I love creating that type of media, but I don't consume it. It's the most bizarre thing. And when you're looking for a problem, you generally don't go to video unless it's like a how-to. True. But even then it's super frustrating, especially folks like me who have ADHD and it's, which is a commonality amongst technologists, like that style of work, we're very able to just like, what's wrong right now? All right, I got it. So the type of medium has to be concise technically accurate and quick to answer the question that I'm asking. Because when I go to Google, I don't say, hey, how is this product solving this problem? No, I say, how do you solve this problem I've got, right? How do I, you know, scale Kubernetes onto two clouds? How do I lower my cloud bill? Stuff like that. Yeah. And so what we do is we we write towards that. It's generally the blog article format, mm. anywhere from 1200 to 2000 words is the most common size. Uh, and then white papers, which are the next 
layer. Now I'm, I'm going to go into the marketing world, right? And say, so we talk about top of funnel, right? So people yeah. that are, how you entice them to come in. And that's usually the blogs. And we write about not the products, but the problem. Mm. So how do I make sure that when I go to search for the problem solution, that I, I see the problem laid out in front of me and I go, ooh, yeah, yeah. And the whole idea is you want them to be nodding along. It's like when you're public speaking, you want the audience to be engaging and get into the third paragraph and the fourth paragraph and then saying, cool, this solved my problem. Oh, look over there on the sidebar. Oh, you have this problem. We've got an upcoming webinar. Yeah. So effectively, I can set up the digital marketing team to carry that person into the, the digital marketing funnel. And then white papers are longer form assets where we can really dive into some really heavy tech. It's fun. Well, for me, it's fun anyways. <laughs> and, and that generally would be like a middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and sometimes top, but it's someone's usually engaged. They've found you. They have some awareness of the company, but now they want to, do you really know what you're doing? And then they have a longer form, you know, six to eight page, sometimes even like 15 page white papers. And it also gives me a chance for those companies to help to really like end with, oh, by the way, since we've described this problem for the last 10 pages, here's exactly how this platform solves this problem. And because I've really gone into the idea of the science of behavior and the science of engagement, that I can take that and then merge, you know, what are the required capabilities for a solution? What are the key phrases that are going to be meaningful to the consumer of this platform or product and bring that together so that when it gets to the solution, you've basically set it up. So like, here's the problem. Like, okay, so I, yeah. I believe there's a problem. I agree that I have this problem. I agree that you have a solution which seems to solve this problem. And now get invited to do a webinar, you know, it's, so then it's additional awareness, it's credibility, yeah. which as a technical consumer, we naturally distrust anything related to marketing. It's the most bizarre thing. My <laughs> entire purpose in life as a systems architect was to never be sold software. Mm. I want to buy software, not be sold it. So it's a very reverse type of engagement where you there's a strong sense of control from the consumer and that's why it's a it's a tough one like so I'm the I'm the basically the gatekeeper to you getting at my economic buyer yeah and again learning that the how the organization works in digital marketing and sales and and the knowing the the receiver the consumer side of it it was fun to kind of just glue all this together i didn't realize that all these weird skills that i was acquiring all, it seems like almost accidentally would come together in this fantastic matrix. And then I was like, Ooh, you know, we can, <laughs> we can solve all of these things to deliver a very niche specific solution. So it's, it's been fun. As a podcaster, you know, that creating great content is only half the battle. That's where Remarker comes in. Remarker is a podcast branding production and marketing solution. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, Remarker will help you grow your show and build your authority. So why wait? Head to creativevisionariespodcast.com slash Remarker, that's R-E-M-A-R-K-R, -R, where you can book a demo and discover how Remarker's full service approach can benefit you and your podcast. Well, I think the the key point in all of this that you're saying is that you understand who your audience is. 
And so you have a, a, a fine-tuned uh, avatar or description or understanding psychographics of who the consumer is that's going to be listening to, reading, hearing, sh- like watching, whatever the, con- the content is that you're creating, you know exactly who that person is. So you know how to write to them, how to speak to them, any of that messaging. So it it's almost like I think a lot of businesses um, – fall short in that aspect because they are very, you know, vague or not specific. And once you have that ideal target audience and you know exactly who you're talking to, the the conversion, if you will, is right. going to be so much easier because you're solving the problem that they have because you know who they are. Precisely. And this is the the interesting thing too is at the habit of very proud companies, right? And very proud technologists that are in these startups, you know, in this case, or even any any business in retail and whatever, the natural instinct is we're so proud of what we do that we want to tell you what we do and why we needed to exist because the industry is broken. That's almost always the narrative. It's like the industry has been wrong. We figured out the solution and this is what we do. And that's fantastic but you really, no one wants to just see that first. They want to really be like entrenched in the, like I said, when you're, when I'm doing public speaking, I'm not here to make people think I'm smart. I'm here to make people agree that a problem I've experienced is also one they've experienced and you can see it in the feedback. And then what you end up doing from there is then help them towards a solution. And the same thing with writing content for any company. You don't just write about the only thing you do, but also what are the adjacent problems that that person, that persona would experience? So if you're, you know, something like maybe you're in in gluten-free cooking, right? So I want gluten-free baking. So if I'm a gluten-free baking company, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write about, you know, how to create pie crusts because it's pie day as we're recording this, right? It's, it's, it's March 14th. So I, I just literally baked a gluten-free pie crust. So what did I do? I Google gluten-free pie crust recipe. And then what are the top things that come up? Right. And then that company may be King Arthur's flower. If I may use a a brand that I happen to enjoy, I'm not, not incented in any way by mentioning them. (laughs) So, but then I see King Arthur's gluten-free flour. Here's the recipe. Here's how to do it. I'm like, ooh, you know, so tell me what else do you guys have? Oh, they happen to have a baking mix, which I can use. Oh, look, oh, they also have, you know, baking mats. Oh, neat, they've got a cupcake mix. So all of a sudden, I've got awareness because I've they've solved an adjacent problem. And it's mm-hmm. that same thing of, so they may also write about the best way to roll out dough has nothing to do with being gluten-free, but it's a problem that's also experienced by people who match the persona. It's like a cohort. You know, that's the thing you talk about is like, how do we sure. also give important information freely to a potential buyer that hopefully they just build trust and we build credibility. And then as a result, they have brand awareness. And the next time that they see a King Arthur's ad, because if we're doing good retargeting, then all of a sudden I got King Arthur's ads all over the place. And I'm like, you know, dang, I really do feel like having some cupcakes. I'm going to try that King Arthur's cupcake mix. And then that's it. I'm now at the bottom of the funnel. I love that. 
So I want to shift a little bit and talk about something that's currently a big buzz. And I'm sure that this is in your world. And I know exactly, you probably know exactly what I'm going to say. So <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> so let's talk about the effect of AI and specifically chat GPT in this uh, business that you're in and how, how you use it, how you leverage it. What's your thoughts uh, on that technology? I am an interesting character in that I've always been profoundly drawn towards highly automated technical solutions so that I can spend time doing very manual things that require artisanal touch. So I brew coffee with an AeroPress, it, which most people would think it's disturbing the coffee routine that I create for myself. And they're like, aren't you the automation person? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I've got time to make the most amazing cup of coffee, right? <laughs> so content creation is effectively the same thing, particularly in technical product marketing. Mm -hmm. So technical product marketing is very specific. You have to be keenly aware of what's the problem that person solves? What's the personality of that person? And you can do that. I've used chat GPT a lot. I've done a ton of research on it and I've been using AI writing models for a long time and large language models. So I'm deeply familiar with how it works, but a couple of important things, right? ChatGPT is originally based on other sources of truth, but it does not have a way to verify that it is actually true. It may look at other, same way at Google, right? Google uses algorithmic ways in order to find which is the most engaged content and then it starts to move it up towards the top of the search results. So ChatGPT does the same thing. It looks for the most widely read, consumed content, and it will believe that this is a source of truth. Then it has to make it its own and it does some fantastic stuff. But what it can't do is live the experience of the person that really wants to read this article. What it can't do is create new content with authority and with trust because it can write software. Like they can actually, it can literally write software with these GPT based tools. However, I've used it. And sometimes it writes software that uses an old style of code because it's pulling it from other sources and it is merging. So it is creating new things, but it's always based on a merger of existing content. So if I'm a brand new company and I want to create technical product marketing content, I have to create truth, True. not try to have some tool find it. And there's a huge risk. Also, we don't know what the impact is on intellectual property rights. We are likely heading into a very interesting five years as that begins to occur, where are the risks on, you know, true on legality? Uh, it'll be interesting. So our authors that we have in our content engineering community are restricted from using any AI tools. We, we get them to write and we help to nuance it. We, you know, edit it and we format it so that it's highly discoverable. We do all that stuff, but it really is about relate your lived experience in a written format so that it's something you would read. ChatGPT, amazing at writing emails, writing, you know, ad copy, writing, you know, web copy, but even then must be verified. So there's... Sure. There's going to be amazing stuff that can be done with it. And I've used it for a lot of additional things. Ironically enough, I've used it. We've got a huge sort of like training campaign we're going to do, which is helping people to use these tools like ChatGPT. And in fact, we've created our own tool that uses it 
to make sure that our authors are not using it. So we can actually <laughs> measure whether content has been generated by an AI tool because there's patterns that you yeah. can find. And the other biggest problem, sorry, I'm like, going, this is the longest answer you've ever gotten on this. No, it's fine. Is that Google specifically knows how to detect AI written content and it purposefully downranks it. Mm -hmm. So if you're writing content and you're using these tools and you're not infusing it with your own voice, your own words, your own style, it has a high risk of just not being discoverable. And mm -hmm. it may save you some time, but it sure isn't going to fill your marketing, <laughs> which is kind of what you really want. You want to, you want people to come and find you. Yeah. I think the the what you just said, the last piece is that infusing your voice and your personal approach to it, because what technology is what it is, right? You can leverage it. It can do so much for you, but there's only so much that technology can do in relates to, um, you know, experience, right? Like if I've been in the marketing industry for 20 years and I go to like a chat GPT to look for something marketing specific. There's something about the 20 years that I've put in physically that they just aren't going to be able to pull out. And so, yes, leverage it as a, a resource and, you know, help to speed up the process, but for sure, <laughs> put your own uh, voice in it, put, you know, the technical aspect that you only know, or the experience that you only know, and that's going to get you a better result in the long run. So. Great There's tool, but make sure you use it the right way. <laughs> Absolutely, and and one thing that we've sort of we've sort of mastered in in what GTM Delta does is that we do deep research with the client up front. So we do like about eight to ten hours of interviews with people in the company. We learn their vision, their mission, their voice, how the company started. Really learn a ton about before the sale, after the sale, during the engineering process. So it's it's neat that we dive in full form as if we were going to become their product marketing team. Yeah. And we can actually write in the voice and in the style of the CTO or the founder. And that's one thing I, at the last company I was with where it's kind of cool when you can, you write something and someone's like, Hey, you should check out this blog that, you know, the CTO wrote. And I look at it and I'm like, yeah. I'm glad it worked because I wrote that and <laughs> but it was meant to be like our CTO should be building product, not content. So can I write something that is legitimately in their voice as if they said it yeah. and you learn like the nuances of language. And I've always, I've always enjoyed that. Like the, I'm, I'm a behaviorist by, you know, just jo pure joy of people watching and learning how people speak and interact. So it, to be able to take that, and then be able to write content truly as if somebody said it. And, and that's that's pretty cool. And again, like ChatGPT can do stuff like that. If you say, write this like Anthony Hopkins is reading it. And it can do that because Anthony Hopkins has hundreds of hours of audio and video content that it's consumed. But what it can't do is say, you know, write something like this brand new first time founder wrote it. Yeah. There's no idea who they are. Right. And it's, uh, isn't it chat GPT only has <clears throat> information up to 2019. Isn't it something like that? Yes. Yeah. So there's limits on what it can consume. There's limits on the source of information. So your, your random website is not going to be discovered. Your research papers are not going to be discovered. There's a lot of stuff it can't touch. So yeah, there, we will see more changes in future, potentially where we'll see like 
chat GPT agents where you can say like, hey, you know, index me. And I'm sure they'll move towards that down the road, but we're years away from that. And even then, yeah. like I said, it's just, there's so many reasons why you wouldn't want to use it for the specific niche that, you know, content creators can solve this problem. Again, super fantastic as a writing cue. That's actually great. If you're brand new to content creation, use it as a writing prompt. Yeah. And it helps you to kind of like write that first couple of sentences and go like, ooh, okay, now, you know, rewrite it as if it's me writing it. Like use it as a, a trigger. Yeah. And then just like right below that, say, okay, now how would I write this? And it's it is helpful in that for for people that just need a little a little nudge to get started. Right. It's like the uh the sol- it solves your writer's block. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's so and awesome for that. I've I've met so many people where, you know, when given that that white, you know, Microsoft Word page and you're just like, you know, they just get that, that sort of like, okay, I need to generate 1500 words of content, you know, and you're like, okay, <laughs> like I've got a flow. I know it's like, I know the flow of a, an effective blog. It's like, so I've noticed recently that there's something going on. And then, you know, why is it that this actually occurs? Heading. Okay. Yeah. Here's the, you know, describe the problem deeper you know, the, the real problem that's occurring. And then if only there was some kind of a way. And so I, I know like a specific flow of how to create an effective readable blog, Yeah. but it's like, if you aren't used to doing it literally thousands of times, like I've done, you know, no one should have to have lived through the amount of writing that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> so why not let a fantastic tool like that do it? Start it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some interesting things about the more we use it because they're like, Hey, this is really neat. And you're like, you're just feeding the machine. Yeah. It will genuinely impact some human processes, which may affect sort of jobs and an understanding of the value that people have yeah. in creating specific types of content. But really in the end, there are still so many other things that are adjacent to that or that need to feed it or that need to nuance it that, you know, there aren't that many people who are just like, you know, just tapping out words. Like they, they research, they learn. There's going to be much more that those people can do that's of higher value and they can use this as an assistant basically. And that's how they should treat it. It's, it's an assistant, but in the end it's, you've got to put your touch on it. I agree. Well, I want to wrap this up with one final question and have you, um, Tell the audience, what's your advice on, if you're new to the technical marketing world, um, where do you start and how can you bring value? It's a great question. Uh, really read, listen, reach out. The technology community is such a vast and very open community. There are lots of free resources. There's lots of free community meetups. There's lots of free online events. You can head on over to gtmdelta.com. Like we've got stuff where we can, we're actually creating more education for our content engineer community. So we give away tons of learning. It's, you know, I'm sorry. I sound like I'm a product pitch here. Like we don't charge people to be members of the community. It's that's the goal is like, why in goodness name would I want to do If you go to, you know, I'll say other gig based marketplaces, they charge you to be a member. And like, that's just silly to me. Like, why would I do that? That just, I want to give more away than I take. That's my whole goal in life. So just listen to many voices too. It's very easy as humans to read one person a lot and then begin to create 
in that voice. So by getting a diversity of voices and a diversity of sources, it helps you to, out of that set of influences, create and discover your voice. And most important, like I said, just reach out because there's people out here who are willing to help. You can hit me up. I'm Disco Posse everywhere. Just go to LinkedIn, search for Disco Posse. Trust me, there's only one. Uh, same on Twitter. Uh, and and always, you know, my DMs are open. My LinkedIn, I, I connect with anybody because if I can help you to find what's next for you, then that makes my day better. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. And uh, definitely you guys reach out to Eric and and take advantage of his his technical knowledge, his experience, and just you know shoot him over a message. That's great. Thank you very much, Tori. It's a real pleasure. And you know the chance to connect with you was really uh, incredible. And that's that shows you the value of open networks and the opportunity to connect with people. And everybody, every new connection is one one message away. And and there are so many people who are are willing to do that. So, and you, you know, you continue to impress with everything that you've done and I'm, I'm super happy. So we get turned around. Hopefully we get to do the reverse. I get to have Tori on the disco posse podcast next. And so uh, looking forward to that. Absolutely. You will definitely see me on there. Well, go out there guys, uh, bring some value to your, your audience and build a community and make it a great day. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, or share with a friend. Also, make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.